This morning, I'll be continuing my teaching on favor, and um, I'll be talking about the mark of favor. And I said that this message is called identification clarification. And so we're going to clarify the identification of those who are marked by God for favor. Amen. If you are marked by God for favor, the identity is going to be clarified this morning. Praise the Lord. I start this morning by talking about the Christian journey. The Christian journey, as we know, because when we read from the Bible, we see how exciting the Christian journey is. The Bible is not silent on that. The Bible is very clear on how exciting the Christian journey is. So there are points in the Bible where the Bible takes time to highlight the victories that are available to us in our work with God. And as we read about them, as we hear about them, we know what is in store for us in our journey as we walk with God. On the journey, God gives us a lot of opportunities to grow. So it's not just the excitement, that is the exhilaration and the thrills. No, God also adds the opportunities for growth. And so if you are really born again and you have been serving God, as you follow God, there are opportunities to grow in God. And I've been challenging you for some time now that if you are really serving God, if you've really been serving God, especially if you claim you pray a lot, and in our church we pray a lot, you claim you pray a lot one of the things that must manifest is that gradually as you walk with God you must be growing to be molded into the very image of God the very likeness of God you must start acting more and more and more like God the things that used to trigger your anger they will do it and you will say hey, but now they do it and the fever does not come because you are growing in your walk with God you are growing in your relationship with God if you find out that you are more saucy than you have ever been you are more nasty than you have ever been it's only a sign that maybe you entered the door but you have not entered into the room salvation is the door and in the room there are many things God provides for us and my prayer is that this year on the journey with God we will grow we will desire to grow we will not just desire to be born again and just tell people I'm a Christian I go to church at Action Chapel, but we will move beyond that and we will grow in our relationship with God. And so growth is necessary because as we grow, our growing allows us to enter into all that God has for us. If we don't grow, we can't enter into it. And so there are scriptures like Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 which talks about the heir. And the Bible explains that as long as the heir is a child, he cannot inherit what has been left to him. And so he has to go through a process of growth then all that is available for him can be given to him likewise as you continue down from verse 2 he explains that even as also God plans certain things for us but they can't be given to us as yet until we begin to grow in God and mature in God then those things can be given to us growth is necessary because with growth comes deeper understanding and deeper discernment. When you begin to grow, one of the very obvious, one of the very visible, one of the very external signs of growth is that people begin to see your perceptibility. People begin to see your discernment. You become very discerning. You become very perceptible. We, we try that with our children when they are young. We do that. When, when, when they ask you for something, you tell them I'll give it to you sometimes they are even holding the thing and you take it from them but when they are younger they easily forget but as they are growing older you realize that now it takes longer for them to forget as they grow older now they don't forget at 
know. And so it is very difficult to hide things from them or treat them the way you used to treat them. And in our walk with God, that's how we become. We start becoming more discerning. We start becoming, we, we start growing. We start having more understanding into the things of God. When you become a senior Christian, you come to the point where you are so discerning. You are so understanding when it comes to the ways of God. And so God can deal with you in a way. God can do things in your life that he can't do in the lives of normal people simply because you have more discernment and you have more perception. Praise the Lord. Now, this discernment, this perception, it governs the way you, you behave. It, it, it governs the way you behave and it clarifies your identity as a mature person. And so, once you become mature, one simple sign is that you have more understanding, you have more discernment. And the day you have more discernment, the day you have more understanding, they remove you from the class of children and they put you in the class of mature people. This year, my special prayer for somebody is that you are going to be moved from that place where you are and you are going to be put in the class of mature believers and so writing to the church in Corinth in first first Corinthians chapter 9 verse number 16 the apostle Paul writes to them and this is what Paul writes to them he said for though I preach the gospel I have nothing glory of he said for necessity is laid on me yea woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel he said even though I'm a preacher of the gospel even though I tell people the good news of the kingdom and the good things that are available for the people of God in God he said there is nothing that I can glory of there is nothing in my life that I can brag or boast about now wait a minute I was thinking that if you are an apostle like Paul and you are anointed like Paul you should be able to brag and tell people look at me look at my life look at what the anointing is doing in my life but Paul is saying that there is nothing in my life that I can glory of now Paul here then is a very mature person because he understands the rules of engagement. He has come to a point, even though he has nothing to glory of, he's saying necessity is laid on me and woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. You see, this is how it works. I feel that if I'm preaching the gospel, God should bless me so much. God should give me so much. God should favor me so much. God should protect and preserve me so much that every time I stand I'm giving testimonies and I'm telling people look at what God has done. Come and see what God has done. We we don't have problems. We don't have any issues. We can always walk on water. We float in the clouds. When people meet obstacles, as for us, doors are always wide open. And then that will become my incentive to preaching the gospel. But it seems like Paul is sharing with us here that when I go, the doors are closed. When I meet people, they are not nice. They are not kind to me. They gossip about me. They tell lies about me. And my circumstances are difficult. Yet, I have to preach the gospel. Now, this goes against what we believe and what we preach in the church. Because we feel that if you have the anointing, if you have God, then you should have a lot of things you can brag and boast about. And Paul is saying, there's nothing I can brag about, yet I must preach the gospel. Now, he shows us this, then that he's now at a point of maturity where he's so mature in his work with God, he understands who he is. He understands who his God is. And so he's saying that, even if you do what I'm looking for, even if you don't do what I'm looking for, I will still do what you expect of me because I know who you are. 
There are times in our walk with God where God requires we come to that point where we know God is a good God. And so even when things are not good, we, we still continue saying he's good because that is who he is. Unfortunately, what we do is that anytime things are good, we preach. We proclaim the gospel. We tell people, come to my church. Come to Action Chapel. The things God is doing is serious. But when things are not going the way we want, now, what God wants of, of us is that God wants us to grow and become like Apostle Paul, where we are so matured that even when there's nothing to boast about, we know our duty as children of God. We know what God wants us to do. God wants us to live a holy life. God wants us to live a righteous life. Praise the Lord. He said, don't pass anywhere. Continue on the road. You have to stop church and find somewhere else to go then. Because this is what happens when you mature. And so Paul is saying that I, I have to preach the gospel. It is necessary that I preach it. And I'm not looking at the pegs that will come to me. If I don't get anything, I will still preach. Now, when Paul explains this, when Paul explains this, it draws our attention to something very important. Paul draws our attention to the fact that it is our duty to represent God wherever we find ourselves and in any situation we find ourselves. And so it doesn't matter whether you are high or whether you are in the middle or whether you are low, we have to represent God. And so when we have things to boast about, we will boast in the Lord. When we don't have things to boast about, we will still be quiet in the Lord and we will enjoy God. And that's what Paul is teaching us. So it seems like our main duty as Christians, our main duty as children of God is to represent God wherever we go. And for that one, many of us are doing a very bad job. If Christianity were like what we are practicing, where we come and pray and we get what we are looking for, that one is like some magic. Right? So you come and pray and collect the things you are looking for. If Christianity were like that, then we would be doing very well. But it seems from this scripture that our main assignment is to represent God in any given situation and in every given situation. So one day somebody steps on your toe and you want to slap the person or insult the person. The moment you are about to open your mouth or the moment you are about to lift your hand, you remember who you are, that you are a representative of God. And instead of saying, you say, God bless you, sister. Praise the Lord. We have not done a good job at this because we've come to church with the notion that every time all that, we, all that God is supposed to do for us is God is supposed to bless us and give us the things we're looking for. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, the Bible tells us we should let our light shine so that men will see our good works and glorify our Father that is in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20, the Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. And so if somebody is going to gain entry into the kingdom of Christ, we are the ones who are going to help them secure a visa. We are the ones who are going to win them. Praise the Lord. And so we are ambassadors of the kingdom. That's the second thing. The third thing, in, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible teaches, as it talks about triumph, the Bible also teaches that our duty is to make manifest the smell, the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. And so wherever we go, every situation we find ourselves in, people must smell Christ because we are in the situation. And so if you in your office, people can't smell Christ, people can't build and have a relationship with Christ, even though you are there, you are not really doing your work. 
work. And so that is why we are here. That is our core mandate. That's our core assignment. And that shows that we are maturing. That shows that we are growing. That shows that we are maturing. That shows that we are growing. And so for us to do our work, one of the things God does is that he marks us with favor. And the favor that God puts on us uh, is it, supposed to help us to represent him, right? And so the favor is not like the unbelievers, what they brag about and they say, I have two cars in my house. I have ten cars. You know, my shoe costs this much. That is not the reason why God gives us the favor. God gives us the favor, not so we can come and tell people the price tag of the clothes we wear. No. God gives us the favor so that the favor can be used as a tool to represent him. And so the higher God blesses you or the higher God lifts you, the more you ought to represent him. Anytime you find out that God is blessing you, but you are representing yourself. You are failing God. And what happens when you fail God is that he's going to hide his face from you. You will still have what you have, but there are consequences. There are repercussions because it is only when God's face is on you that you will not be troubled. As long as God's face is hidden from you, you will still have what you have, but you will be troubled. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, my duty is to represent God. And so, to represent him well, he gives us this favor. He gives us this favor so that by this favor, we can represent him well. Now, the mark of favor God puts on us, it does the following three things. Number one, it ensures that it is known in advance that we are candidates of God's favor. And so anytime God puts favor on us in advance, people can know that we are candidates of God's favor. Now, this is how it works. If God doesn't let people know that he has marked you for favor, then they can't really look at your circumstances and see the power of God in your circumstances. And so in advance, once we become born again, once we become children of God, God lets everybody know that my eyes are on this child. My eyes are on this son of mine. My eyes are on this daughter of mine. It's an announcement God makes so that the whole world will know that the eyes of God are upon us. Now, this shows God's attention to detail because at the end of your life, when your story is being told, people can really find out that God was paying attention to you even the times when they thought God was not paying attention to you. And so right from the beginning, when you become a child of God and God marks you with favor, what he does is that he lets the whole world know and he lets the whole world know in advance so they can know that God pays attention to detail. There are scriptures in the Bible that talks about the tears of the saints and there are scriptures that talk about the tears of the saints that God will not allow the tears of the saints to be wasted. And the Bible says that God collects the tears of the saints in his bottle. Now that means that not one tear of the saint is wasted. So we see the saints of God crying and we think they are just shedding tears. But anytime the saints of God are shedding tears, God is collecting their tears because the tears of the saints of God, even that is important to God. He says to us in the book of Matthew, he says that the hair on our head is numbered. He doesn't say it is counted. He says it is numbered. Now that means that there's a number for every strand of hair on your head. So when you comb your hair and one falls out, God knows that hair number 300 has come out this morning. He has numbered them. That's how detailed God is. And so anytime he marks somebody for favor, the idea is that right from the beginning, he wants people to know in advance that I'm paying attention to this guy. Number two, God marks, us with, God marks us with favor so that the outcome of our lives can be attributed to the God who favors. If God doesn't mark you with favor, 
Then when you arrive at the place of favor, people will think it's happenstance. But do you know that when you are marked by God for favor, when you finally arrive at the place of favor, when your story finally breaks out, instead of being tempted to go out and brag and tell people, you know, I did A, B, C, D, instead you come out and you tell people, it was God from day one. It was the strength of God from day one. And there are certain good things that happen in our lives that sometimes get us feeling like we have done something to deserve the things that have happened in our lives. But do you know, there is nothing that you can do to deserve the favor that God is bringing your way. And so God does it. God marks us with favor so that when finally you arrive at the place of blessing, everybody will know, every man, every woman, everybody in your immediate environment, even the people who do not know you, will know that you have been favored by God and it is the blessing of the Lord that has made you so rich and God will not add sorrow to it. There's a day coming, there's a time coming where the people in your life are going to know the accuracy of the knowledge of your God. You see, when God marks you with favor and even now it doesn't look like you are favored, when finally the mark of favor begins to register and work for you, people realize that, hey, God's knowledge is accurate because I remember remember this boy from class one I remember this lady from KG2 and we all knew she was not going anywhere how come today she is where she is and that is the time they are going to be told God made a promise that out of Nazareth I'm going to raise a savior and they said but we said can anything good come out of Nazareth and then it will be told them it will be responded back to them that do you know that when God is working Nazareth might not be a good place but God has accuracy in his knowledge and so he just knows exactly what to do to bring something good out of something bad think about Elijah calling down fire from heaven before Elijah called down the fire he said we are going to pray the God that answers by fire let him be God now I think that the, what Elijah did was too bold and too courageous because you see it is not the right thing to do in public but Elijah did it anyway because he believed in the God who had accuracy in his knowledge and when Elijah had said that that was not enough for Elijah he said bring the wood and he said to them pour water on the wood I think by this time Elijah was going too far because I mean when God is involved and God is in the picture what God is able to do is what Elijah did he declared ahead of time that the God who brings down fire he is God and my God will bring down fire he didn't stop there he poured water on the wood and it looked like the craziest thing but do you know that we serve a God who can make even wet wood to catch fire there is nothing that troubles our God and so anytime you see somebody marked by God for favor when they are about to start a fire they will start with water but doesn't mean they are crazy because our God can turn water into kerosene or petrol or whatever. There is no limit to the power and the ability of our God. Are you listening to me? In the book of Psalm 8 verse Romans chapter 8 verse 29, the Bible said for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate for whom he also did foreknow, he also did predestinate. What it means is that because God has a foreknowledge of us, he has predestinated our life and so finally when we arrive at the place where God said we'll arrive we can give 
praise to God and no other because everybody will know it was God who did it and not man. Do you know that there are some testimonies that smells like man? There are some testimonies that looks like man. It looks like it was your father. It looks like it was your brother. It looks like it was your uncle. But when you are marked by God for favor, when you arrive at that place, you know if God had not touched him, he would not have helped me. If God had not spoken to her, he would not have helped me. It was God right from the beginning. And sometimes we make a mistake looking in the wrong direction because everybody who reaches out to you, God must reach down to the person. If God doesn't reach down to them, they don't reach out to you. You went for the interview. I know you spoke very well, but do you know that there's somebody on the panel even though you spoke very well just because you are not from their tribe they can make sure you don't get that job but God when he's there you might not be from their tribe you might not speak well enough but God will ensure oh mark for favor mark for favor mark for favor mark for favor when you're marked for favor, God marks you for favor so that the potency of the power of God that rests on his children can be tested against the power that is in the world. And the power that is in the world is against the power of God that is working in us. You see, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible explains to us that greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Now, what it means is that when the power of God is moving us this way, the power of uh, the power in the world is moving this way. Way. And so, by law, what is supposed to happen to us is that we might we must not have a smooth journey. We must not be able to accomplish what we set out to accomplish. But God puts the mark of favor on us so that right from the beginning men can notice and see us look at that boy, look at that girl they are not supposed to get anywhere, they are not supposed to achieve anything in life they are not supposed to make it in life but somehow through a strange means that is called the favor of God when everything is working against us everything is working against us, everything is to our disadvantage, everything thing is disfavoring us somehow by the favor of God it turns out that all the things that were working against us they were actually working for us the thing that were pushing us down it turns out that actually like a ball that can bounce and rise it turns out that those are the things that are making us rise higher and so when somebody has been marked by favor you see the signs of favor you see a mark a mark a mark a mark a mark the word mark means a boundary line an object that serves as a guide or a sign or indication it just means attention or notice and so in our scripture today in Genesis chapter 4 verse 9 to 15 and the emphasis is on verse number 15 we see that a mark was put upon the man called Cain now when we see that God put a mark on Cain we need to read the scripture so that we can get a little deeper into this from verse number 11 let's go to verse number 11 from verse number 11 God puts a curse on Cain and this is what God says he said and now thou art cursed from the earth which had opened the mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand and when thou tillest the ground it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength a fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in all the earth and so a curse was placed on him somehow when the curse was placed on him it 
didn't stop him from speaking to God. Can we look at verse 13? And so he spoke to God and he said, God, this punishment is too much for me. And so when he said that in verse 14, he said, this punishment is too much for me. He said, on the day that I'm driven from your face, he said, when I'm driven out this day, I'll be driven to the face of the earth and I shall be hid. Your face shall be hid from me and I will wander throughout the earth and anybody who meets me might come kill me. And then God said to him, I'll do you a favor. What I'm going to do is that I'm going to put a mark on you, verse 15. And God said, by the mark I'm going to put on you, when men see you, instead of killing you, they will leave you because they see that mark on you. Let's think about it for a moment. Could this mark on Cain be the mark of favor? Because God had cursed him and he knew that he was in a disadvantaged position, walking on the face of the earth. Anybody that saw him could just kill him like that. And he had spoken to God, appealed to God about the sentence and God said, I'll do something about it. God said, what I will do is I'll put a mark on you and that is the Hebrew word oath. O-W-T-H. That is the Hebrew word oath. And God said, I'll put a mark on you. He said, the mark, when, when I put it on you, when anybody sees you, they are going to pass you by. They won't kill you. You see, that word itself is special because the word oath, it means a signal, a flag, a monument, an omen, evidence, or what I like most, it means a miracle. And so what God was saying to Cain, I'm going to put a miracle on you when men see you instead of killing you because of the miracle I'll put on you they will pass you by don't celebrate just yet let's work on it a little bit there was a sentence from verse 11 to verse 12 on Cain and God said I would do something about the sentence I'll put a mark on you so that while you are carrying the sentence nobody will kill you now this is not something exciting it meant that Cain was going to live longer and going to endure the punishment longer if the mark had not been put on Cain. What it meant was that he could have been killed and he could have left the suffering of this world earlier. You see, let me show you something. When somebody is cursed by God, it is not death that is a sign of a curse because death means that you cease to live and so you move from the bitterness and the pain and the cursed situation of the earth and you move to a place of rest. But when God puts favor on you, it doesn't look like the mark on Cain because the mark on Cain meant that his sufferings were perpetuated. His troubles were perpetuated. Do you know what happens to some of us sometimes? When we start going through trouble, we start praying to God and instead of repenting of our sin, we tell God, God, do something about my problem. And so God says to us, okay, what I will do is that the money that you have, I will leave it in your hand. The car that you have, I will leave it in your hand. The, the things that you have seen, I will leave those things in your hand. And we become excited that if the car is there, if the house is there, if the money is there, then it's good for me because I'm still favored. No, because when you go to verse number 14, he said, when I move from here today, your face will be hidden from me. You see, what you need, you don't need money. What you need, you don't need people in your life. What you need, you need God's face smiling on you. You need God looking at you every day and smiling because if God is not looking at you and smiling at you, you might have all the money. You might know all the people, but according to some 30 
verse 7 he said when you hid your face I was troubled if God is not looking at you everything may be there everybody may be there but that is the sign of trouble so can I tell you we can argue from a philosophical sense that Cain was favored by God but the truth was that Cain was not favored by God he was in a disadvantaged position he was in a place where the favor of God was not upon his life pastor if that is the case what is the mark of favor I'm glad you asked can I go I can I take you through the Bible you see let's go through the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 to 7 we see the first sign of God's favor on a people we see the first mark the first sign Deuteronomy 7 6 to 7 he says for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God and the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth the Lord did not set his love upon you verse 7 nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people for ye were the fewest of all people and so God is saying the mark the reason why I selected you was because you were small that's the first sign of favor I want you to see and so now up to this point the entire population of the Jewish uh, the entire Jewish population globally is somewhere around one percent of the entire population of the whole world they are a very small group of people yet the Jewish people they are the most powerful ethnic group in the world they control America they control all the G8 nations of the world do you know why because even though they were few in this scripture we find out they had been selected by God and so that is the mark of God's favor on them the mark of God's favor on the Jewish people was that they were too small and because they were too small God said I'm going to take you on and when small people start doing big things you understand that the big God has gotten himself involved with a small people can I continue and preach the way I want I want to preach it in, in first Samuel 22 verse 1 to 2 we see a man of covenant David where we have the Davidic covenant the Davidic covenant starts actually in the book of second Samuel chapter 7 but in first Samuel 22 verse 1 to 2 the Bible talks about the man of David and the Bible tells us that David departed this and escaped to the cave of Adullam and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it they went down see that to him David was in trouble he had to run away from Saul for his life and when he was running away his family members decided to follow him it didn't end with his family members look at verse number two a bunch of people also decided to follow him the Bible said everybody that was in distress everyone that was in debt everyone that that, that was discontented they gathered themselves to David and Adullam in the cave and the Bible said he became a captain over them in 2nd Samuel chapter 10 verse 7 2nd Samuel 10 7 we find out that David's men who were with him in the cave they had become mighty men 2nd Samuel 16 6 they had become mighty men 2nd Samuel 17 8 these people that were nothing when they gathered around David they had become mighty men and so the Bible calls them the mighty men of David but when we first see them in the book of first Samuel 22 they didn't look mighty there was nothing attractive about them how come God changed them like that the 
answer is with Apostle Paul in 1st Corinthians 1 26 to 29 he talks to us about the New Testament covenant that you and I have with God and he says that for brethren ye see your calling how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God had chosen the foolish things of the world so let's look at what God has chosen number one they are what they are foolish and the Bible says God had chosen the weak things of the earth number two God has chosen the weak things number three God has chosen the things that are not to confound the things that are can we continue uh, verse number 28 and the base things of the world and the things which are despised yea had God chosen these things that he can bring to not the things that are verse 29 that no flesh should glory in his presence and so Israel was not chosen because of their size or their number they had no personal advantage David's men were unlikely candidates for greatness Paul says we are chosen because we are foolish we are weak we are despised we are base and we are nothing and so all these testimonies seem to show us that when somebody is favored by God when somebody is marked by favor what you see is that there are no obviously readily identifiable signs that the person has a promising future the only readily identifiable promising sign is that the face of God is looking on that person and God is smiling on that person and so anytime as a child of God you choose to represent God where you find yourself God is looking at you and smiling at you and that becomes the sign of your favor and so you may be broke it doesn't matter you may be down and out it doesn't matter you may not be as handsome as the others are you may not be as beautiful as the others are or as intelligent as the others are it doesn't matter because when man looks at favor man looks at the outward but when God has favored a person it doesn't show outwardly the only outward sign of favor is that you have matured in God you have grown in God you understand the ways of God that God wants me to represent him God wants me to stand for him good or bad come hell or high water the praises of my God I will sing and when you find yourself in that place the favor of God is looking down on you can i give you eight pictures of favor the first one let me talk about joseph you see joseph had a dream and the dream the outcome of the dream of joseph was that he was to be in pharaoh's house and you think that with the high powerful dreams that joseph had he would have rode into pharaoh's house in style and he would have been put there as the prime minister no by the time joseph arrived in the house of pharaoh he arrived as a slave from a dungeon when god has put a mark of favor on you what is carrying you does not matter your present conditions do not matter you may be a slave right now but if god is smiling on you the mark of favor is on you and you may be in the dungeon and others may become in town but you are the next prime minister can I talk number two about Moses in the book of Exodus 1 15 Bible scholars would have us to believe that Pharaoh had been told about the dream that somebody was going to come and liberate the Israelite from the bondage of Egypt and that 
person was going to overthrow the Egyptian kingdom. And so what Pharaoh decided to do is that he spoke to the women, the midwives, and he told them that any time a child is born, that is a son, a male son, kill him. Don't let him live. But what he did not know, that God had a plan to bring somebody that will liberate his people. And the way God was going to do it was that Pharaoh himself was going to take care of the person. You see, when Moses was coming to the house of Pharaoh, he came in a basket. A basket doesn't look attractive, but that's how Moses came into the house of Pharaoh. And so Joseph started from prison and Moses started from a basket. Please don't let where you are bother you when you are marked by favor. A basket is enough. It will bring you to your destiny. There are many of us who are worried about where we are. Pastor, the basket is too small. All God needs from you is stay in the basket. Enjoy being in the basket. Be happy being in the basket. Make sure you are pleasing God in the basket because out of that basket, favor will speak for you. Number three, can I talk about Saul? Saul was anointed a king. Saul did not become a king because he was campaigning. He didn't even become a king because he was praying. He became a king because he was responsible. His father's donkeys were lost and he went looking for them. He was a responsible son and in looking for his father's donkeys, he was discovered by God and God poured oil upon him. Can you do what God wants you to do? Can you be a responsible son? and a responsible daughter of God if you are looking for favor if you're going to sit on your throne something as small as being responsible is going to put a crown on your head hallelujah and if you can just be responsible that alone is enough to put a crown on your head and so he was looking for donkeys and so it looks like this boy was the one who was taking care of his father's donkeys and and i'm sure the bible talks about him the bible said he was taller and he was stouter than all the men in israel and so he was a macho guy and he was a tall guy he was a fine guy and yet this fine guy was busy working for his father he was not using his charms to fool around praise the lord now do you know that there are many of us thinking that we can get ourselves ahead, we have neglected our responsibility, and we think that will bring favor. It won't bring favor. And so as he was looking for donkeys, the oil found him. This week, somebody that is on a quest looking for donkeys, somebody that is about your father's business, somebody that is serious, wanting to do what God has called you to do, God is going to send favor on you. I said, God is going to send favor on you. The favor of God will find you. It will be a shock to your friends and your relatives. And they are going to wonder how come? Because he wasn't going to look for a crown. He was going to look for donkeys. But as you look for your donkeys this week, the crown will rest upon your head. I said, as you look for your donkeys, the crown will rest upon your head. And number four is a boy called David. David became king at the time when he was taking care of the sheep. He was not out when the prophet came. He was at the backside of the desert. When you are favored by God, you may not be in the meeting where everybody is. It doesn't matter. You may be doing something that men 
despise. It doesn't matter when you are favored by God. They may be handling top jobs. They may be handling important jobs. But when you are favored by God, everybody will wait for you. And they will say, there's another son we are looking for. Until he comes, we will not sit down. Where are my Davids in the house? There's a certain David in this auditorium. And the oil will find your head this year. People think that because they went first, because they arrived first, the oil is going to fall upon them. But surprisingly, a David that is being responsible, taking care of his father's sheep. You see, when David came to the battlefield, his brother said, with who have you left those few sheep? And so the sheep were not even many, but he was taking care of them. And that became the opportunity for him to become the next king after Saul. The oil will fall on you. I said, the oil will fall on you. The oil will fall on you. And then number five, I want to talk about Gideon in the book of Judges chapter 7. Gideon was going to war and he needed men. The men he had were not enough. They were faced with an army of more than 300,000 people and he had 32,000 people and God said to him in verse 2 of Judges chapter 7, the men with you are too many. Let some of them go home. My goodness how do you win a battle when the men you have are not enough but when you are favored by God you march into battle as a joke and you end the battle with your enemy becoming the joke can I say that again when you are favored by God you march into battle as a joke but you end the battle with your enemy becoming the joke because when the favor of God is upon you what you have is irrelevant it is what God is doing for you that matters the men with you are not enough but God with you is more than enough those that are with us are more than them that are against us there's somebody that is coming out of this battle with a victory the odds are against you it looks like you are going to lose this one but can I tell you in the name of the Lord I'm clarifying your identification you are the favored one and you are walking out with a victory can you slap somebody with a high five and say I am the favored one and I'm walking out of this one with favor I'm walking out of this one with favor where are my favorite people you are walking out of this one with favor you look like a joker you smell like a joker you are walking like a joke but with God on your side with God on your side the advantage is in your favor the advantage is in your favor you are walking out with victory number six here comes Joshua going to war in the book of Joshua chapter 5 13 to 15 Joshua goes to war and by the time Joshua is going to war the Bible tells us that they, uh, they, they meet they meet the walls of Jericho and the walls of Jericho are shut down nobody's going in nobody's coming out and the Bible says that God has a meeting with Joshua when God meets with Joshua you know Joshua is a man of war and so he nearly fought with God when he saw God he said are you for us or you are for our enemies and God started laughing and God said I'm not for anybody do you know that that is the truth God is not on anybody's side he's only on the side of those who are doing what 
pleases him and so even when those you don't like are pleasing God God will still be blessing them even those you think are funny when they are pleasing God God will be blessing them people that are not from your family people that you don't think are as educated as you are people that you don't think are on your pedigree even they when they are pleasing God God will favor them and so when Joshua encountered the Lord when Joshua encountered the Lord look at this scripture he encountered God and God told him who he was and in verse number 14 he said I am the captain of the host of the Lord and I've come to you and the Bible said Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he began to worship and he told him in verse number 15 the place where you are standing is holy ground take off your shoes now Joshua is getting ready for the battle of a lifetime in the morning and in the evening he's worshiping he's not training with his army generals they are not discussing military strategy Joshua is in a worship session he's lifting up the name of God he's praising God he's saying God you are so good oh you are a holy God you are a wonderful God and everybody's looking what kind of army general is this we must be discussing our strategy how we are going to do it how we break out against the enemy but what they did not know it was not going to be by the intelligence it was not going to be by the power of man and that's why every now and then when men stop giving you their help don't be worried about it if you needed their help God will make them stay but they left because you don't need their help all you need is the help of God and Joshua was before the Lord and he was worshiping God don't let anybody make you feel bad when you come to church and you are worshiping God when the message is going and you stand up and you are praising God when you feel like speaking in tongues even though the lady beside you is being gentle don't let anybody trouble you they don't understand do you know how we fight our battles we fight our battles in worship we fight our battles in prayer we don't fight like everybody else fight and that's why when I'm going through a hard time I want to be in the house of God I want to be in the presence of God when my soul is overwhelmed bring me to the rock that is higher than I if I'm in the presence of God then everything is alright if God is smiling on me then everything is alright if I don't have any money if I don't have any people but God is smiling on me everything is alright well my Joshua is in the house and that's why we're starting a worship revolution in the morning wake up with worship you are going to work and you are worshiping you are in your office and you are worshiping what is that guy doing he has to try and solve his problem what is that guy doing doesn't he know the problem is big it's not by power it's not by might it's by the spirit of the Lord the last time I checked my Bible the Bible said even the young men they grow weary and they faint but they that wait upon the Lord they shall renew their strength they will mount up with wings as eagles are you waiting on God in worship can you slap somebody with a high five say I'm a worshiper I'm a worshiper I'm a worshiper I'm a worshiper Lava shata lava koshaba Yana manda yoshana Yana yoshada manda yosha Ikanta yoshada Why don't you go and talk to that man Why don't you go and talk to that woman 
I'm talking to God. That's who I need to be talking to. Am I speaking to the right people? Your help comes from God. Your help comes from God. Your help comes from God. Somebody lift your voice and shout yes. Jesus and David Jesus and David there's a place in Palestine there's a place in Palestine that is called the Kidron Valley and we read in the book of 2nd Samuel chapter 15 verse 23 when Absalom rose up against David his father David had to travel through the Kidron Valley if you look at the map of Palestine you'll find out that the Kidron Valley is immediately behind the Temple Mount where the temple is, it's a mountain and the Kidron Valley immediately is behind the temple mountain. Right behind the mountain is the Kidron Valley. And it's amazing because the temple is on a very high mountain and the valley is very low. There's a reason. In that valley, the fecal matter of the Jewish people would be channeled through. It was a place where they would pass their feces. They had some pipes and it would end in the valley and the toilet will go through the valley. And so when it rains, like this time in 2 Samuel chapter, two, uh, chapter 15 verse 23, it was a rainy season. And this was when Absalom rose up against his father David. And the Bible tells us that the king, the country wept with a loud voice. And all the people passed over. And the king himself passed over the brook Kidron. And the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. This was not a place for kings. But David had to pass there. You know, life is interesting. There are places where life can take you. And it will make it look like there is no favor on you. You are not marked for favor. Don't be deceived. When you see kings walking in toilet, or when you see people walking in toilet, they are kings. Anytime somebody is walking through the Kidron Valley, it is because that's a king. John chapter 18 verse 1. Mm. Let's, let's finish on a good note. John chapter 18 verse 1. And when Jesus had spoken those words, he went forth with his, with his disciples over the brook Kidron. David had to go through. Jesus had to go through. And for all these two people as they were walking through the valley, they didn't look like they had anything. The temple was up there and people were praying. Those were not the ones. The ones who were the real people. The ones who were really marked for favor. They were not in the temple. They were in the valley. Walking through the feces that the people had left there. And when you look at these two people. It looks like they don't resemble kings. They are not going anywhere. How can they be marked for favor? I want to clarify the identification. I want to clarify the identification of somebody that is marked for favor. What you see when somebody is marked for favor is that God allows so many negatives. God doesn't bring it. No. God allows so many negatives in the lives of that person so that as we look at the negatives, it becomes obvious that there is no way this person, it is never humanly possible for this person to survive all of this for this person to go through all of this and come out successful but that is the plan of God when God 
mark somebody with favor he allows attack after attack trouble after trouble situation after situation they come one after the other hating you and hating you and hating you and God is looking at that and when the trouble is coming God is smiling and God is pleased with all the trouble and it seems like God is a sinister and a very wicked father but no he is a good father because the plan of God in all that trouble the plan of God in all that pain the plan of God in all that situation is that he wants men to see how powerful your God is you see if you are hit with one problem God has to answer maybe with one answer but the more they hit you the more God has to answer the more they walk on you the more God has to raise you the more they despise you the more God has to glorify you the more they doubt that you are going somewhere the more God has to make them believe that you are going somewhere and so there's somebody here this morning I want to clarify your identification you see there are people with the mark of Cain upon their life and when people see the mark on them they say these are the people that are favored no those ones they have been marked by God so that their suffering will be perpetuated so that everybody will see when God punishes a man what he looks like but when God has favored you your circumstances don't look like you are favored people try to laugh at you people try to walk on you people try to pity you because there's nothing glorious there's nothing attractive about your life then God enters into the picture and God says let me work some favor on my son let me work some favor on my daughter and so I want to boldly proclaim and announce to somebody that this year despite all the trouble despite all the pain and all the hardship you have been marked for favor anytime they think you can't do it you are the one that is going to do it anytime they think you will not get it you are the one that is going to get it anytime they think it's not going to work for you you are the one is going to work for anytime the doors are closed for you you are the one God is going to open the doors for and I want to tell somebody it's going to get better than it's ever been you are going to laugh harder and louder than you've ever done because the favor of God is coming upon your way so men can see the power of your God I believe I'm marked for favor you can see it on me but the mark of favor is on me all my struggles all my hardship all that difficulty is because you are marked for favor the things have delayed for a very long time and everybody's thinking if he were favored if she were favored God should have moved a long time ago but it has delayed because you are marked for favor it has delayed because you are the favored one very soon not very long from now they are going to see the mistake that they have made they thought that Joseph could not amount to anything but when you are the favored one you can go through the pit you can go through the prison it doesn't matter you are the favored one can I see some people that have favor upon their life I see kings that are walking in places it doesn't look like the right place but that is where God is going to favor you you are doing something that is not attractive your work is so menial the work that you are doing is so small it is so unconsequential but that work that you are doing that is what God is going to use to promote you God is going to lift you from the dunghill and God 
God is going to put you among princes. Am I speaking to the right person? I believe in favor.